Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. Well, actually, for some of this week, Nevada calling. Yep, we actually left one desert, the Sonoran Desert, and headed to a completely different one, the Mojave Desert. (laughs) Because for a few days, we were in Vegas, baby. Last Christmas, our good friends, Alan and Jeannie, gave us the greatest gift you can give any parent who isn't anywhere near family and has little to no support network. Hey, weekend off. Ah. Yes, I'm aware it's now October and we've only just taken advantage of this, but blah, life happens. We'd ummed and ahed about what to do, being torn between just having a really nice lie down for a few days without anyone asking us where their school shoes were and thinking, do you know what? Life's too short. We should go big. And we decided on the latter. Plus, I'd always really wanted to see the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show. And it had recently reopened in Vegas after COVID. And tickets were available and the planets aligned. And boom, there it is. Thanks to another good friend, Brian. The girls were being picked up from school on Friday. And so after we dropped them off in the morning, we were free until Sunday afternoon. Oh, The possibilities were endless. We reached Sin City mid-afternoon on Friday. And now, I I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but I'm not quite sure how to begin to describe it. It really just is a hot mess of noise and lights and drink and people. And I'd heard you either love it or hate it. And I think I felt a little bit of both, but I was mostly just fascinated by it. Las Vegas means the meadows and the irony is there is barely a blade of grass to be seen anywhere. I've talked before about the one foreign holiday that I had as a kid, a holiday to America on Laker Airlines and I think that started my whole love affair with this country. And one of the places we visited on that trip, mum, dad and me, was Vegas. Being only small, my memories are a little bit sketchy, but I do remember the long drive from LA out into the desert, my dad stopping in the middle of nowhere and walking off into the brush to see if he can see any, quote, creatures. Thankfully, he didn't. I mean, what was he thinking? I remember arriving in Vegas and my mum giving me a dollar to put into the slot machine in the diner, not realising about the gambling laws and being shouted at by the waitress, get that child away from that machine. I remember it so well. I remember the lights and seeing Neil Sadaka and a magician called Doug Henning, who I think had a tiger, and getting a teddy from a place called Circus Circus, which I had until only a few years ago. So whether it changed or not since then, I'm presuming it had in 40-odd years, who knows? But this place is bonkers. (laughs) We stayed in a hotel called Paris, which has a half-size replica of the Eiffel Tower outside and a mini Arc de Triomphe. Also in town, there's a mock-up of the Grand Canal in Venice, which snakes in and out of a shopping centre. It's really strange. A model of the Great Pyramids of Giza and even a Statue of Liberty. The whole thing is just like a massive stage set. The whole town. Nothing feels real. I was told by a friend that our hotel had been designed by one of the team who designed the Trafford Centre in Manchester. And whilst I couldn't verify that from a quick search online, 
Actually, I couldn't get that thought out of my head the whole weekend. They are super similar. Mock Greek and Roman statues everywhere. Fake blue sky ceilings with that kind of weird half light going on. That smell that only water has that's being pumped around and around indoor fountains. The works, so similar. There are a couple of classy joints we popped into in Las Vegas as well. The Wynn, the hotel you might remember where Prince Harry was caught playing pool naked a few years before. Oh, that place was beautiful. And the Bellagio wasn't to be sniffed at either and turned out to be lucky for us. But more on that later. I could talk to you for hours about Vegas. One thing, though, it's exhausting. I think we walked about 10 miles a day and it takes an age to get anywhere. My friend had told me he'd stayed in Caesar's Palace years before and had fancied a drink in his hotel room. He'd looked out the window to see a liquor store opposite the hotel, but actually, on weighing up the options, decided to order room service, despite the fact it would cost him so much more than going and buying a bottle of bourbon himself, because he just couldn't face having to leave the hotel and cross the road. How ridiculous, I thought. Just pop over the road. Having been there, no. I can see now how it would take about 45 minutes. You can't cross a road without walking half a mile down the strip, taking an escalator up a bridge, walking over the bridge and then escalating back down on the other side amongst 28 billion other people who all have massive plastic cups full of booze at 8am. Not that I went outside at 8am, who am I kidding? But once we did surface about 10 o'clock, those massive plastic cups of booze were pretty much empty and people had clearly been at the slot machines all night in some cases. Another thing that blew my mind was the fact that everyone was smoking inside. I haven't seen anyone smoke inside for about 15 years, so it was very weird to see folks puffing away as they gambled their hard-earned cash on Game of Thrones-themed slot machines. We found out when the smoking ban had been introduced to most places in the US, the casinos of Las Vegas had lobbied the government hard, conducting extensive research, which estimated that if the smoking ban was extended to casinos, it would mean that people left their machines for approximately 12 minutes an hour to go and light up, which would result, get this, in the loss of 20 to 30,000 jobs in the first year and a loss in revenue of $1.9 billion over five years. Wow. So, to date, only one major casino is smoke-free. Oh, and also strip joints and brothels, also exempt from the smoking ban in Vegas. It's not called Sin City for nothing. As I said, the place was utterly packed. It was often hard to find a table to sit and eat a meal at. Since we opened up after Covid, the bartender in one place told us, we've been rushed off our feet. We now have as many visitors as we did at our peak in 2019, but only 60% of the staff have been brought back. We're slammed, she told us. The strip is full of ads for huge recording artists like Sting and Shania Twain and Rod Stewart and... Donny Osmond, who either rock up for a few short nights to earn a gazillion dollars a night or take on a longer term residency and amass the same wealth as a mid-sized European nation. We'd booked just one show, the Beatles Cirque du Soleil show that I mentioned and, oh, man alive. Never have I seen something so joyful, so poignant and mouth open, gasping, incredible, all rolled into one. 
The Beatles have always been such a big part of my life since my parents played them to me non-stop as I was growing up, up until my daughter learning to play a load of the songs on my guitar this year. So, of course, I knew I'd love the music, but oh, if you get the chance to go, just do it. Wonderful just doesn't even begin to describe it. You can't, of course, go to Vegas without indulging in a little bit of gambling. Or at least we couldn't anyway. Friends of the podcast will have heard me talk about the man I call Jason because his name is Jason. Jason, as you remember, works with my husband and he told us a great tale about gambling. Jason grew up in upstate New York and as he got into adulthood, his dad took him to Atlantic City, the Vegas of the East Coast, to quote, teach him all there was to know about gambling. They arrived after their drive, walked up to the front door of the casino, whereby Jason's dad marched in, took $20 out of his pocket, threw it on the floor, turned around and walked out again. <laughs> Musing. And there's all you need to know about gambling. <laughs> well, that was one more lesson than either of us had ever had. We were clueless. We looked around some of the tables for a while where people were playing games like craps and blackjack and roulette and poker and nope, we had no idea where to even begin. So decided to go and play the slots. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I say we literally did not know what we were doing. There were thousands and thousands of machines in any given large hotel casino. It's utterly overwhelming. The flashing lights, the beeps, the music, and who even knows what was going on? We decided to give ourselves the grand sum of $100 for the weekend to put aside a sort of gambling leisure money. We didn't expect to break even, let alone win anything, but we decided this would be money we would set aside for putting in the slot machines. And then when we lost it all, we could say, well, that paid for a few hours of fun. That's the way we saw this. Clearly, a lot of people were spending about $100 per bet. But I'm guessing they knew what they were doing rather more than we did. Or at least I hope so. It took us about half an hour to work out how to go and get this special card thing that loaded up with cash that we could then feed into one of the machines. We'd overcome the first hurdle. So we picked a machine literally at random. I think I liked the picture on the front. Pressed a few random buttons. Lights flashed. Pictures whirred around nothing. Our credit went down. Press again, same thing. And then again, same thing. On about the fourth or the fifth press, something happened. Lights flashed more vigorously. Some of the pictures that were whirring around started moving. Tunes played louder and louder and winner, winner, winner flashed on the screen. The music played with more urgency and played and played. We saw some counter saying credits going up and up and up. What did it mean? The music stopped. What did we want? There was such a song and dance. Surely we were millionaires by this point. We pressed the cash out button to see our prize. Six dollars. <laughs> All of that palaver for six dollars. As it was about 1am by this stage and we'd walked the equivalent of a marathon, we took our casino card thing and went home. Our first not very good brush with gambling over. The next day, we went back to the Bellagio, one of the more upmarket hotels that had designer shops in the lobby and a slightly plusher carpet. We went back to the same brand of machine we'd played the night before. We kind of knew what we were doing. We kidded ourselves. We didn't. I started pressing buttons, the same dribs and drabs of tiny wins over the next 10 minutes or so. But, you know, nonetheless, quite fun. As I said, we had no ambition of winning anything. Dave drifted off to the machine next door and put $10 in. 
and randomly press some more buttons. I think, he leaned over and said to me, I just won something, but I don't really know what all the credit things mean. Press cash out, I said. Press that button. Now being an expert, it gives you a voucher with your balance on. Such a pro. He pressed the button. Oh, he said. I looked at the voucher. Quick, I said. We need to leave now. We're done. And we were. And we did. And we set off to traipse the 45 minutes back to our hotel, which was about 100 yards away as the crow flies. Now, whilst we were by no means holidaying in Acapulco next summer... Our two nights in Vegas ended up costing us about 30 bucks due to that win. Not bad, eh, for a beginner? I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 